You're listening to Once, episode 68, Queen of Hearts. Welcome back to another episode of Once Podcast, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so happy to have you listening to us. This is episode 68, and we'll have show notes, screenshots, links, and all of that stuff that we mentioned about this episode of Once Upon a Time will be in our show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 68. And oncepodcast.com is also where you can connect with us, find our feedback information, and join our forums. Get the past episode, podcast episodes, subscribe to us. All of that is at onespodcast.com, and I'll share more of that as we go in this podcast. This is an awesome episode, Queen of Hearts. It's the winter finale episode, so now we've got our hiatus. And remember, let's take a little... Sleeping f- curse. Call it what it is. <laughs> we did spend a lot of time in Enchanted Forest and a bit of st- a bit of time in Storybrooke. In um, present day fairy tale land, we were only in two different scenes, and that is Rumpelstiltskin's prison cell and at Lake Nostos. Hmm, true. So it was really cool. But let's go through this uh, more in depth. We had our initial reactions last Sunday. Now it's time to look at this really in depth and discuss this episode of Once Upon a Time. Let's start with the Enchanted Forest, then we'll move on to. Uh, present-day fairy tale land, and then Storybrooke after that. So with Enchanted Forest, the timeline of this is, this is after Hattrick and after Regina has already pronounced the curse. There were plenty of indications about that because she's talking about the curse rather freely as if she's already announced it. She knows what she needs to do. We don't see Henry Sr. anywhere either. And she also has Jefferson's hat. Well, Henry Sr. didn't die until right before, like, I assume hours before the curse was enacted. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could be hours, could be days, but yeah, probably pretty soon before the actual, before the curse came, because once Regina got it, yeah, she was probably... she had already tried to do it once, so she was ready, and then I don't imagine she takes out his heart and says, you know... I think I'm going to, you know, weed the flower bed and do my hair again um, because my hair is a lot of work. And then it's just going to change after the curse hits me. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is, this is in between that time then. So this is in the probably middle point of all of that, of trying to figure out the curse. And so she's learning about this curse. And that's something that Kitsis and Horowitz pointed out in the official podcast, as they said, she's now pronounced it. Now she's still kind of learning about it and working with people to make it happen. And she's considering what are going to be the strategic parts of this, kind of like a game of chess. Which, by the way, chess is mentioned several times in this, or chess mm-hmm. pieces by name and also uh Reminds us to something else, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, so this is after Hat Trick, and it starts with Belle in the tower. Now, there were all of those little markings on the wall of the basic four vertical lines and one diagonal line that each little block of lines indicates five. And it's mm-hmm. a way that people keep track of 
days often when they're in prison cells. And let me guess, you counted them. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I went through. It was very difficult because even at 1080p video quality, which we get from iTunes, and you guys can download the episodes from iTunes. We've got affiliate links over on the site or go to oncepodcast.com slash season two dash iTunes is the actual link, but uh, I'll have a link in the show notes too. But even in 1080p quality, it was really hard to see what was just a splotch and what were actual numbers on spots. So I paid attention to just what I was absolutely positive were these groupings of numbers. You want to take a guess how many there were? No. Uh, her walls were covered with it. Oh. And oddly, if you look at the overall room, on the right side, the numbers are nicely aligned. And these little groupings are nicely aligned and structured. On the left side, they're just all over the place. <laughs> so it's as if she starts giving up trying to keep it organized. And if just she made them all. Them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Now, did they ever actually say that it was the tower? Um, they didn't say it, but we saw Hook climbing up stairs. Uh, I didn't remember like the tall stairs. stairs in a tower. And I think somewhere else uh, was referred to she was kept locked up in a tower. Well, but that was the lie. I thought that was I know the, that Regina said that about her yeah. father. So assuming that Belle has been <laughs> in this tower. And she's been the only one making these markings on the wall, which I think that's a reasonable assumption. Of the markings I could visually see, there were uh, over 260 markings and did the math on it. It basically comes out to three and a half to four years that she has been in there. If every marking indicates a day and then there are groups of five, And then there were about 260 or so uh, groupings of five. So it comes out to three and a half to four years that she's been there in prison. Which changes our timeline up a little bit to know when Skin Deep happened, when Dreamy happened, when some of these other things happened. But I think really helps in some of that. But did you notice Belle knew that the queen had captured her? Because she said that she thought the queen had sent Hook to kill her. Well, how could she not know who captured her? That doesn't really surprise me. But then in, well, in the premiere of season, uh, the finale of season one, Jefferson, when he released Belle, said, you need to tell Rumpelstiltskin that Regina locked you up. Well, yeah, she had her memory erased, just like everybody else. We just always thought that she did Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then... In last episode, um, Into the Deep, Rumpelstiltskin, or Mr. Gold, said to Belle, Belle, remember the lady who locked you up? And then, Well, yeah. yeah. It's being a little ironic. Sarcastic, so, rather. Yeah. So, when, Rumpelst- when Hook describes Rumpelstiltskin, he's describing him from what other people know. Like, he calls him a monster. He says that Rumpelstiltskin stole Belle away. And Rumpelstiltskin, now this is the definite lie part, that Rumpelstiltskin was attacking Belle's father's kingdom. So uh, some all of that could be easily captured information from Hook. But where did he find out 
some of this stuff like where Bell is and how did he learn about the dagger? That's what we're assuming the weapon is, right? Did or, he have Smee at this point? He had Smee from the beginning. Okay. Well, yeah. Smee would know because he, he finds hard to find objects. And maybe ah, Hook thought this was true. important enough to go and get himself. But see, in the episode The Crocodile, Hook left Enchanted Forest about 260 years ago before the curse to figure out a way to kill Rumpelstiltskin and have all of the time in the world. He came back somehow, and we'll talk about that in a moment. He came back somehow, probably because he figured out a way. So it seems like someone in Neverland was able to share the information with him to say, this is a weapon you need to go back to Enchanted Forest because that's where this weapon is, or someone there knows about this weapon. So maybe Smee could come and go for Hook. Uh, Maybe someone else could. Maybe uh, we got an email in suggesting that maybe Peter Pan or the Lost Boys or the Mermaids or some of those characters from Neverland knew about the dagger and told Hook about it, or he got that information from someone. Any other thoughts about where he might have captured that information or how he got it? No, but it doesn't really surprise me that he got it mm-hmm. because he's wanting to kill Rumblestiltskin. Yeah. So I think he's been dwelling on how to do that for quite a while. Yeah. I yeah, was actually curious as to how Regina knew enough to even call Rumple a crocodile. <laughs> well, it could be a nickname. After all, his clothing looks kind of like a crocodile, but Regina knew about Hook. Well, exactly. Yeah. She probably wanted to know as much as she could about Rumpelstiltskin because mm. at this point they kind of like split, right? Like they weren't friends anymore after she took Belle. Right, right. Well, even before then, they were in competition because Rumpel had covered all the... In, referring no, back they're... to the episode Skin Deep, Rumpel, Rumpel had covered all of the mirrors. And when Regina came oh. afterward, he was saying things like, you'll never be more powerful than me. And right. they were already in competition. So you're right, Jenny. It this is... About four years after that. Yeah, it was a little a little less intense back then. But yeah, I can see how they were kind of rivals back mm-hmm. then as well. Because, I mean, she just kind of sauntered in back then and was like, I need to know about a mermaid. And <laughs> So it's I think it's easy to understand how Regina could have learned about Hook because that would be a story passed down. It's public information. People were there. They saw it. They saw what happened, all of that. But the stuff about the dagger... Or a weapon. He just refers to a weapon. He doesn't know what it is. And we're assuming it's the dagger unless it's something else that's out there. But that's much more private information that maybe a survivor from the Duke's kingdom or maybe a fairy or maybe Tinkerbell. That was another suggestion that someone emailed in that maybe it's something like that or whatever. But how do you think Hook got from enchanted from i'm sorry from neverland to enchanted forest because he was there for 250 260 years maybe fairy dust (laughs) and he took the star i have a theory that maybe beans magic beans are round trips round trip tickets i don't think so well i mean i'm so i'm thinking that you can use a bean to get somewhere the bean he threw it to Uh, make the portal (laughs) I didn't think about that. Unless like on the other side of the portal, the bean just pops right back out. 
and he's got it in his hand again. Don't you think that Bay would have come back and tried to find another way to save True. his father? Yeah, okay. So you guys are shooting very good holes in my theory. Well, my theory was that if the bean could go round trip and that's it, then maybe that's how Hook got back from Neverland to Enchanted Forest. Maybe he found a beanstalk there in Neverland yeah. and climbed or, it and got some beans. Or Tinkerbell, or maybe he killed some fairies and got some power that way. I don't know. There there are some things about killed, killed fairies in this episode. And they shall not be missed, as Rumpelstiltskin says later. But we'll get into that. So... Uh, when um, here's one question or one thought that was sent in from Ashley, she says, I was wondering if anyone had an idea of how Hook got out of Neverland. He went in with a bean, but how did he get to the Enchanted Forest when he was going to kill Belle? I thought he was going to stay in Neverland until he found a way to kill Rumple. Perhaps he heard of the weapon in Neverland. Did Tink or Peter know about it? At any rate, this episode leaves questions as to how Hook came back and who told him about the dagger. Thanks. Indeed. Yeah. Maybe he's discovered an easier way back and forth between Neverland. Because after all, the Peter Pan story is that Neverland can be reached from our world just by happy dust or fairy dust and flying between the two worlds. Yeah, but it seems... Yeah, I mean, if somebody else... All it would take is one person to come to Neverland for some reason with that information... Once he has it, he decides that's how to do it. That's his time to go back. So he comes back, and the rest happens. It's only it only only one trip back is necessary for him. True. If somebody came with that information or already had it in Neverland, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, Hook is going to be a hard character to convince me to ever be sympathetic for at this point. They yeah. keep doing stuff. He was about to kill Bell for mm-hmm. no good reason. So how do you, you know, I can't even figure out how that person also stops Aurora's heart from going into the portal. Because I mean, he needs Emma to like him because maybe she might can it. help him in the future. Maybe that's it. He's also a pervert, but I was going to say we'll talk about that <laughs> later, but we actually don't need to. He made comments. He needs actually to die. I don't care how much people, (laughs) some people like him. (laughs) He's gross and kind of dangerous and he needs to go away. Regina referred to Belle as a chess piece. And I went back and watched a couple scenes of Hat Trick and was reminded that around that vault where Regina and Jefferson went to retrieve miniature Henry Sr., the vault was surrounded by these little decorations that seemed kind of like chess pieces there at the queen of hearts place and there were other things here and there and later on emma referred to herself as just a pawn and i think there was one other chess reference as well at some point but interesting to see the the number of chess references in this episode Regina knows about Hook, so she's hiring him and entices him with the idea that when the curse hits, Rumpelstiltskin will be vulnerable because he'll be without magic. Do you think 
before uh, before Mr. Gold brought back magic, do you think Rumpelstiltskin really was vulnerable? Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I love the introduction of Claude in this episode because, uh, well, let me just play that description. You remember Claude? Can't say that I do. You killed him in the cell block. Ah, yes. I didn't recognize him without my hook in his neck. (laughs) Poor old Claude, who is there just to serve as one man's partner to be able to be a ticket into store into wonderland in exchange for cora regina looked so horrified (laughs) (laughs) for a second (laughs) i'm like really regina (laughs) yes killing someone easily is not something you know anything about yeah i I want i do kind of wonder who was claude was he anyone important? Is he? Does he have any backstory? I don't think so. He's probably just some insignificant character. But it would be funny if at one point in the future we get an episode that's totally focused on Claude. Which, actually, come to think of it, is not unheard of with Once Upon a Time. Well, I was thinking of Frederick. Exactly. But I hope not, because <laughs> guess what? We have not seen... I just forgot her name, but she's both. So Catherine and Abigail and Frederick, we haven't seen them again this year. Kind of frustrating. So please don't do a Claude episode because they'll just disappear. (laughs) Everybody leaves. It would be funny if he's someone significant and we find about him later. It kind of would be. It would be kind of morbid. Yeah. I, I don't think we quite would. But Regina sends Hook to Wonderland. And that's where we're starting as viewers. We were, we're like, yes, yes, it's Wonderland, Wonderland. Yes, it's Wonder. It was almost like I, I felt kind of like it was a spectator sport. It's like, say Wonderland, say Wonderland. Yes, it's the Queen of Hearts. She's the Queen of Hearts. Yes, she is. <laughs> Touchdown. But he look- had a scorecard on the wall. It was rather <laughs> exciting. I got a clip back to remind us from the episode Hat Trick in season one of what Regina said that kind of hinted us in, I think it was our major hint back then, that uh, the Queen of Hearts was also Cora. The Queen of Hearts. She's not one for subtlety. This wasn't part of our deal. You know what she does to anyone that crosses her? Indeed. Better than most. That and the whole leverage thing, that's why we were thinking she's mm-hmm. got to be the Queen of Hearts. It really sounds like it. And really, I was thinking today that we've speculated as to why the veil or masks or whatever. And it could be that that was their sort of escape hatch in case they couldn't get Barbara Hershey back this year. Actually, listening back, I thought I heard something. And... Then I heard the official podcast and they said something. I was like, no way. Did I really hear that right? So I went back and listened. I realized, yes, in the episode Hat Trick, before we even saw Barbara Hershey, Uh the voice of the Queen of Hearts was Barbara Hershey. Really? Whispering. That's weird. Even though that wasn't her as the actor, that was actually her voice whispering. That's funny. They said that in the official podcast for Queen of Hearts. Okay, you have to play it. So here's Cora's voice from the episode Hat Trick. Off with his head. So that's her voice from the episode Hat Trick. 
Now let's listen to her voice, same whispering, from this episode, Queen of Hearts. So the voices are definitely similar. And actually, the producers, like in the official podcast, they said that it is Barbara Hershey both times. So that's really cool that they planned that and hid that in there. So that other lady that actually played the Queen of Hearts in the episode hat trick was just a fill-in, but they used Barbara Hershey's own voice in that awesome little Easter egg. They could have used an animatronic dummy <laughs> for all that actress had to do, but not really. Now, I think Almost. I think the whole off-with-his-head thing in hat trick makes more sense of how that could work, that Jefferson could be decapitated and still alive because it was Regina... I mean, it was Cora there, so she has this extremely powerful magic that she could cause something like that to happen mm-hmm. and still work. Hmm. That makes sense now. It's like magical cauterization. It's instant. <laughs> yeah. I think back when we discussed um, Hat Trick, we theorized that maybe Wonderland has some kind of special magic that if someone is decapitated, they don't actually die. It all ends up being actually Cora, the Queen of Hearts. So she does actually say that she's the Queen of Hearts. And so we see it. There's that big reveal, and we're all like, yay, woo! We, I we were told right. you a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And people said no. For shame, people. For shame. But the way that she probably rose to power, I'm guessing is that she took people's hearts, controlled them, and she then became the queen there in Wonderland. Maybe. I mean, there could be a whole story there to show us what it was like when she was pushed through the looking glass. Uh, this could easily be a backstory that we'll see in a future episode when the uh, the series returns on January 6th or one of the episodes after that. But it could be that we'll get to see how she rose to power, or maybe not. The, maybe not. The taking people's hearts and then controlling them, that might be implied enough in this episode. She can take hearts. She can walk around with somebody's head with <laughs> it screaming, listen to her. She'll do it to you, too. She could do a lot. So when Hook uses his enchanted hook to try and take her heart, then this happens. I'm the queen of hearts. Do you really think I'd be so careless as to keep my heart where everyone else does? So where is Cora's heart? If it's not actually in her, it's somewhere. That's a great question. Maybe you should put it in Davy Jones' locker. (laughs) Well, here's an interesting uh, feedback that we got in from someone who calls themselves Oncer. Says... Hey guys, I just realized that with Cora's heart not in her chest, she's going to be nearly impossible to kill. Nearly. There is a Russian fairy tale called, (laughs) different language, I'm going to butcher this, Kashi the Deathless. Kashi can have anything he wants. He can have anyone he wants, and he cannot be killed by conventional means targeting his body. His soul is hidden separate from his body inside a needle, which is in an egg, which is in a duck, which is in a hare, which is in an iron chest, sometimes the chest is crystal and or gold, which is buried under a green oak tree, which is on the island of Buyan in the ocean. As long as his soul is safe, he cannot die. 
If the chest is dug up and opened, the hare will bolt away. If it is killed, the duck will emerge and try to fly off. Anyone possessing the egg has Kalshi in their power. He begins to weaken, becomes sick, and immediately loses the use of his magic. If the egg is tossed about, he likewise is flung about against his will. If the egg or needle is broken, in some tales this must be done by specifically breaking it against Koshi's forehead, Koshi will die in a way uh, Koshi will die. In a way, Cora is once upon a time's Koshi. So when Emma needs so what Emma needs to do is find Cora's heart, crush it to a fine dust, and kill her. Problem solved. Kinda. Go at it. Love oncer. So great feedback there. And it's like the Russian dolls, the little stacking out inside this, inside that. That could very well be. Maybe Cora's heart is somewhere else and like in a different world. We theorized in the initial reactions, or I theorized that maybe it's actually inside of Regina somehow. No. I doubt it. It's yeah. very, very doubtful. The more I thought about that, the more I thought, yes, it's cool uh, that maybe like Regina would sac- have to sacrifice herself in order to defeat Korra, but I can't really see that, see that being a reasonable, logical explanation of where Korra's heart could be. It could be in someone else. It could be hidden what if they, somewhere. What if their hearts are switched? Ooh. That, that would be interesting. We don't know what happens... Other than Daniel, the undead Daniel, we don't know what happens when a person gets someone else's heart, except for him. And look at the monster he turned into. Well, well, that was Storybrooke. Yeah, and that was science, not magic. Yeah, and and if well, well, think of Frankenstein. Of course, that was in another realm, right? Right. We haven't seen what happens yet, although. In that case, okay, so yeah, you're right. That is another instance. But as Dr. Whale had said to Mr. Gold in the episode, the doctor, Dr. Whale said that ended badly that yeah, first but time. He said that he needed he needed magic. No, he said he needed to correct the the uh, shortcomings of magic with science. So I wonder what he did to tweak it. Mm-hmm. So maybe his tampering with it messed it up. So I guess we really haven't seen what happens truly when someone gets someone else's heart. Yeah. Some people have theorized that maybe Aurora now has Korra's heart, but I don't think Korra would have so easily let it slip out of her hands when she... Yeah, um, but she's going to a new realm. She might need her heart. Yeah. Or (laughs) she might feel safer leaving her heart back in... Enchanted San Francisco. Oh, yeah. right. Or and, maybe she's got it hidden in her cloak somewhere. And if her heart is back as in, in Enchanted Forest, that could give Mulan and Aurora a new quest of maybe trying to find her heart there. And what if they crush her heart in Enchanted Forest? No more. No more. <laughs> you know what hearts. I want to think? Just everybody keep your hearts where they belong. I want to think that she's got her heart in a in a container of some kind and she's wearing it. Because she did say, do you think I would be so careless as to keep my heart where everyone else does? So, I mean, that leaves a, a bunch of possibilities open for where she could keep it. <laughs> she could foot. be wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. She shrunk Henry Sr. down. So maybe she shrunk her heart down and has it hidden oh, somewhere. What if she's got it in a necklace? Oh, yeah. We th- we theorized about that in the episode, I think, Child of the Moon. Yeah, but she would have to like... Or, no, 
one of the others. Had to, if it's that small, she couldn't like, <laughs> like put it back on herself, right? I mean, she could, but it was just really teeny tiny, like the Grinch's heart. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, it's in Proverbs, that says, keep your heart with all diligence. <laughs> I think maybe she's <gasps> taking that verse to heart. Maybe she's wah, hiding wah, wah. it in her big hair. <laughs> so anyway, she also points out, again, a concept that we're familiar with about hearts. You're now going to tell me everything and do exactly what I want. Because when you hold a heart, you control it. You have the power. Sounds like mac and cheese. I'm just going to throw that out there. What? <laughs> I stir through mac and cheese. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so this is also how... Cora learns all about the curse because, like she just told Hook he's going to do, Hook tells her everything, and we presume everything about the curse, because the scene after this, she's then talking about the curse. But she also seems to have a bit more knowledge about the curse than Hook probably had, like the 28 years, the fact that there's going to be a savior and all of that, that comes out later on through the episode. So we received this email in from Hannah97 that I think was a good question here. She said, Hi guys, so I watched Queen of Hearts today with a few friends and I just wanted to share something that stuck out to me about Cora and her knowledge of the curse. After Hook told her all he knew about the curse, she clearly understood exactly what he was talking about. So much so that she explained the details that he didn't even know. Like everyone losing their memory and even the curse breaking in 28 years. It seems like she knows about more about this curse than even Regina. We know that Rumpelstiltskin created the curse and that he taught Cora her magic. This makes me wonder if Cora too had a part in the creation of the dark curse. Perhaps Rumpel needed her help in making it. I was also thinking that maybe Rumpel tried to get Cora to cast the curse at some point. It's good. But she refused to sacrifice the heart of the person she loved most, her daughter. Hmm. Remember the whole Miller's daughter tale? Oh, yeah. Regina or Cora is the Miller's daughter. Then Rumpel realized he needed to manipulate someone to be so desperate they that they would do anything to enact such a curse and choose Cora's daughter because she refused him. It would be ironic if, in trying to save her daughter's life, Cora actually kicked the first stone in the avalanche of her downfall. Hmm. Great feedback, Hannah97. I like your thinking, Hannah. That was her name, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Hannah97 is her full name. Seven. <laughs> Got it. So I, I think that's a great idea. We don't know how Cora knows all of this because she knows things like that she'll they'll be frozen in time for 28 years that there will be a savior who will break the curse all of the stuff that rumpel prophesied yeah and regina knew at some point too but probably didn't communicate back to hook because she lied to hook or didn't tell hook the whole full truth like that he would forget about everything but cora she told even her, knew that do you think she knew regina? that yeah do you think she knew everybody would forget yes because in episode two, when Regina went to visit Rumpelstiltskin in the um, in the jail cell, and the scene when he said, and nothing can stop the darkness. Oh. I just love saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone who just woke up from that. <laughs> like... But in that same scene, when Rumpelstiltskin was making the deal with her, she said, harm? <laughs> he said, you real, she said, you realize that 
if this works, then you won't remember any of this. Yeah. And then that's when he said, oh, well, then what's the harm? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, she knew that everyone would forget. And she also said that even in the pilot episode, she said when Snow was over Prince Charming's body, when he had been stabbed with the knife, Regina comes walking in and says, don't worry, in a few moments, you won't even know you knew him, let alone loved him. So, yes, she knew entirely that everyone would forget. Got it. Yeah. So, Cora, though, wants to rip out Regina's heart as some form of revenge. But then when we have this jump back into um, Enchanted Forest from Wonderland, so they come back to Enchanted Forest, Regina and Cora and hook together and the there's a little subtitle in the show that says 28 years ago so this is just before the curse we don't know it was probably really only a couple weeks or a couple months after this but then hook brings cora's body to regina and she's the cora's body is there in regina's heart vault in her castle and that's when regina has her little speech over Cora's body or Cora's what Regina thinks is Cora's dead body. Yeah, that was surprising. Let me play. Sorry, mother. Without you, I never would have become the person I am now. But I had no choice. I had to do this. After you killed Daniel, you told me something I've never forgotten. Love is weakness well mother you are my weakness because I love you that's why I couldn't risk taking you to the new land with me your grip on my heart is just too strong and for what I need to do I can't have any weakness Wow. And Jenny, you had some thoughts on this whole scene right here. I was just going to comment on Regina's costume because it reminds me of Ursula for some reason. <laughs> really? Like her headpiece and just all the black. It just reminds me of Ursula. Like This was the most different look I've ever seen on, on the Evil Queen. Because mm. she doesn't really look like herself. She looks kind of like Ursula. Well, she looks kind of like the queen in the animated snow white as well Mm. she might also be dressed slightly differently because she's in mourning for cora that's true yeah she's she said she just had her own mother killed or so she thinks i can't really see how she looks she doesn't really look like the the queen in the disney animated version to me because because the queen in the disney animated version looks kind of like she's got that whole head covering thing on a couple of her costumes or maybe one of her early costumes was kind of similar and the big white collar. Yeah. Eduardo Castro, the costume designer had designed one of the costumes, at least one of them to look kind of like the Disney version. But then she's had many, many evil costumes. This one, this one in particular made me think of Ursula and I don't Mm. know why, because I wasn't even thinking of the little mermaid when I watched this episode. 
you know, speaking of costumes, we've got our costume contest is going on right now. The voting is now open. I had to delay it a few days because of a major technical issue that showed up last minute. But the voting is now open. We've had over a thousand votes in the contest and there are some amazing costumes If you want to vote, and please do vote, you only need to vote once. None of this vote every single day and every single minute of your life kind of thing, but you just vote once. Go over to oncepodcast.com slash contest, and you can vote there in that contest. And if you're listening to this podcast episode much after that contest is closed, you might see a different contest, because if we ever run different contests, they'll always be at that link, oncepodcast.com slash contest. So you can go over there, see... Uh, all of the costumes, pick one that you like, vote on it, and then see which one is in the lead. And there are some incredible costumes there and really good creativity. So thank you everyone for submitting those. And we'll close the voting in the contest on December 15th. So you have it until then to send in your single vote on the costume contest at oncepodcast.com slash contest. Regina gave Cora a rose and that whole scene almost made me cry, especially (laughs) seeing Cora hold that rose. And Cora definitely changed here. It was a drastic change because she went from, I'm going to rip my daughter's heart out (laughs) to I'm going to help her pick up the pieces when she's lost everything after this curse is broken. Yeah. How the heck did she get from there to there? I just don't know. She realizes, I think, that Regina does love her mother. Yes, but that was so quick. Well, she went there thinking that Regina wanted her dead, which seemed to hurt her Mm -hmm. when she found that out. And then she gets there and she understands that she only wants her dead because of what she taught Regina. So... It changed her perspective. I mean, and now we see where Regina gets her wild overreactions. Mm-hmm. And she, Cora, several times referred to Regina doesn't need her now or that this curse is coming, but Regina will need Cora later. And throughout this episode, it does not at all sound like Cora wants revenge, but that she has some idea in her mind of wanting to help Regina, help pick up the pieces, yeah, whatever I don't that means. I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, later we'll discuss how Regina has lost everything at this mm-hmm. point, but oh my goodness, I have no idea what Cora's going to do when she gets there. Yeah, well, because Regina and Gold are expecting Cora to come and destroy everything. Yeah. Hook thought she wanted to kill Regina. That may not have been her intent anyway. I don't know. It sounded kind of like it to me. Well, I'm going to rip her heart out. <laughs> yeah, that was originally her intention. Yeah. And then when she Hook... a lot of hearts out. They're not all dead. Hook came over as soon as that little monologue happened. Hook came over and said, you didn't kill her. What happened or something like that. And she said that plans have changed. Yeah, before she was hostile. Mm-hmm. And now she's completely like, oh, she needs me. She... She needs me. I need to go be with her and I need to help her and pick up pieces and stuff. And I love her. (laughs) And that rose that Regina gave Cora, that was not the last time we saw the rose. In the end of the episode, when Hook and Cora are sailing into Storybrooke on Hook's ship, 
Regina is holding that rose. She's Regina holding a rose. Or Cora. Or, I'm sorry, Cora is holding the rose. It's all it's dried hmm. and dark, hmm. but she is holding it. Weird. Yeah. So it actually looks like she doesn't have any ill intentions toward Regina if she has the rose still. Maybe. Yeah. Or I maybe mean, the rose is magic. She's got a twisted mind. <laughs> so when she says she's going to help Regina, what does that mean? Because oh, Regina no. is in the stage of really working hard to redeem herself. And I the more when when I rewatched this episode, I realized Regina actually took actions, and we'll talk more about this later, but she took actions that basically she did give up her life. She took an action that she thought she would probably die from. That's ultimate sacrifice. She didn't die from it. So now, though, she's being kind of discarded. So when Cora comes in, that might create a circumstance where Regina may be welcoming of Cora, and Cora may say, oh, yes, all of these people, they need revenge on them. So this could go multiple ways. We we thought that Regina would be opposed to Cora coming, but now it might be the other way. It's doubtful that Cora will be a good influence on Regina since she is kind of in a vulnerable state at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anything can, good can come of Cora's coming to Storybrooke. Yeah. Why did Regina think that Cora was dead? She sent Hook to bring her the body and her heart. Yeah. So she didn't have the heart. So I don't understand why she thought she was dead. Maybe there was a scene of him giving her a fake heart that ended up on the editing room floor, as they say. Or... <laughs> well, this would be the second time someone tried to give her a fake heart. So Yeah. So that doesn't really make any sense unless he actually took one of maybe one of Cora's hearts. Or it could... Like not her heart, but one that she had. Or there could be some understanding that he took her heart and crushed it. Maybe he said something like that, and that was cut from Mm -hmm. it or implied in some way. Because if he crushed it, then there would be no heart. And then, like, Regina could have stuck her hand into Cora and felt, yeah, there's there's no heart here. Good job, Hook. (laughs) Sorry, I did it wrong. It is a hook. (laughs) (laughs) An enchanted one at that. I thought it was funny that when... Well, first, amazing scene. I love the scene of Aurora or of Cora <laughs> creating the special barrier, this dome that protected them from the curse. I loved that scene. And I thought it's funny that Hook is a little concerned that it's going to be 28 years, but Cora reassures him that he'll be frozen. Well, he spent 200 and something years in Neverland. But maybe he's just really but eager he'll to get age there. He'll age in the Enchanted Forest. Not not for the 28 years, because he was no, frozen no, no, no. like everyone I, else. I he didn't know that. I think he thought he was going to age. Oh, so okay. he's like, I don't want to be old when I actually face Rumblestiltskin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good point. But I loved that scene, seeing the, the dome go up. and Oh, I just, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Did you recognize where they were when they put that up? Like, bigger picture, because we saw this beam of light go up from Cora's staff or this kind of like firework thing. And then it created the dome. I would think they're at the Island, like yes. the safe Haven. They were, that would only make sense. Well, they had to be. Yeah. It's, which is odd because it's right on the edge of this big dome mm-hmm. of magic. Um, but it is definitely there. You can see the little thin path from the coastline 
and the sandy coastline to the island. So you can see all of that there. But then uh, the dome spreads over a lot more of the land than that. So, so we know for certain Korah was the one that protected them. So good job everyone who called that and said that maybe Korah was the one who actually had protected the land and kept it from being cursed like all of the other, uh, everyone outside of the land. So anything else to say about Enchanted Forest before we move on? I want to thank a few people who have sponsored this episode of Once Podcast. Sandra, Benita Still, and David Newland have made this episode possible, and we really appreciate your support because it does cost to host the podcast, to run the server, the forums, the MP3 files, and all of that does cost to do, and it is a much higher cost as we grow and the community grows. So we really appreciate the support, David, Sandra, and Bonita. Thank you so much. And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, or you can also take advantage of our affiliate links, like join the Audible audiobook affiliate program over at oncepodcast.com slash audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, or do your Christmas shopping on Amazon or any kind of shopping on Amazon by going to oncepodcast.com slash Amazon. You still get to save money on your shopping, but then a portion of your purchase comes back to us to support us. So you can get those links over in the show notes and over on the website at oncepodcast.com slash 68. Let's move on now to talking about present day fairy tale land. 28 years later, after the curse has been broken, time has been unfrozen. It really happens just between two scenes at Rumpelstiltskin's jail cell, where they're looking for the squid ink and later at Lake Nostos. So this paper and how creepy that would be to find a scroll with your name written all over it over and over and over again. Creepy. (laughs) Yeah. And later, Mr. Gold says in Storybrooke that he wanted to make sure it stuck. So it makes more sense now, especially what the producers have said, that Gold didn't wake up uh, from the curse until he met Emma. Right. And... So hearing her name, and so that's fascinating to realize he was able to make at least one memory or one kind of trigger stick by writing it over and over and over. And maybe something about writing it in the special squid ink made it stick, anything like that. But the squid ink actually had absolutely nothing to do with trapping Cora. It was all about, as he describes in Storybook, it was all about getting Emma to realize that gold was that Rumpelstiltskin was exactly where he needed to be. That Emma was the savior to realize these things, so that she would act and believe. Hmm. So that's uh, that makes me wonder: Did he think that Emma would show up again in Fairy Tale Land? Is that why he wrote the paper down, or was the paper just for his use? And then when Emma's back there, he realizes. Emma needs to do this, and this is a way that she can be convinced. I'm thinking it's that, that he remembered this is something back there. Emma will be convinced from this. Hmm. Here's a far out theory. What if Henry's book is written in squid ink? Hmm. What if Emma would have the ability to extract spells then from that book? Or like good magic spells, because she has magic that's been confirmed. 
I don't know. That's really far out there. <laughs> I don't know what she would do with that. Yeah. And if she went blowing on all the pages, then there would be no history left for them <laughs> to be able to yeah. read. Well, the the blowing on the page, that's what you're bringing out, Jenny, does raise a good question of what happens like with Cora's spell book when she would blow on the spells like we saw in the episode we are both she blew on them in order to release regina from the barrier spell and also we saw regina blow on the same book of spells in order to then inhale it and get magical powers back so what's left in the book does the spell have to be rewritten or something like that in order to be kept in the book or maybe the ink just regenerates somehow or maybe it's like spell stacked on spell stacked on spell stacked on spell <laughs> yeah or it's just it's like carbon paper a bit inconsistent <laughs> they could have just left the words on the well, page it is magical yeah it is speaking of breathing on spells i was thinking while that ink was floating in the air i was like what would happen if they breathed it in (laughs) i was wondering maybe that was intended for emma to do yeah but snow did it right and and snow didn't inhale it was emma's name oh my gosh and and emma magic is a drug emma broke the spell and story broke and there was a spell cast on the bars so maybe Emma's power is breaking spells. Well, she is the product of true love. Emma didn't do anything to break out of. I know, but it was, the her, spell. It was her name. Yeah. So or, you think it was? Do you think it was the combination of the squid ink and her name that were that were both able to do that? I think it was just the squid ink. Like okay. the squid ink was enchanted, and Rumpelstiltskin just so happened to use it to write Emma's name, and uh, as a way of hiding magic in there. But it did certainly reveal that he always had a way out. And I liked how the squid ink melted the bars. And originally, Jane Espenson had tweeted saying that the bars were living. And that's what helped keep Rumpelstiltskin in. They're living? Yeah. That it was some kind of living Why wasn't it prison. attacking Emma when she was <laughs> whacking it with a sword? <laughs> but uh, they, they find all of this. But at the same time, Aurora, remember, still had the heart that was... Uh, in Cora's control. So that's when Cora and Hook show up. And Hook and Emma have this little dialogue. And he shows the bean. And we've since theorized, oh, and even in our forums, lots of people were saying, does this mean the giant was killed? Uh, how did Hook get the bean? Did, and the way that Hook describes having the bean makes it sound like he killed the giant. Yeah, it does. But in the official podcast with Kitsis and Horowitz, they gave some indication that maybe the giant isn't dead. Uh, Like maybe um, they said something like, oh, I'd hate to never see the giant again. That'd be terrible. And they're cryptic answers that the way that they do since they're the writers of the show and they know the answers, but they're not just going to give them away to us. So when they go to Lake Nostos, which has restorative properties, a lot of stuff is being restored here. And and Cora knew that there was water underneath the lake. So she she didn't create the water. Someone, I think, had uh, asked, how did Cora create the water? But she just 
basically dug a, a giant hole with their yeah. magic and this geyser of water burst yeah, out. Yeah, and that geyser, that same geyser was in the title scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, what is the geyser there for? And then I saw it <laughs> in Lake Nostos and I was like, oh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And, and then that awesome fight scene happens around the portal as uh, they're trying, Korra is fighting against Emma and Mulan and all of that. And we see Mulan's sword deflecting Korra's magic power. Her fire. And later, Mulan gave that sword to Snow and even said it deflects Korra's magic. Now, back up to the episode Tallahassee, Korra also referred to the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Mulan also referred to the sword as being the most powerful in all the realms. I wonder where she got that, and I wonder if we'll find out. And did Emma bring that sword with her into Storybrooke, or Snow, rather? And do you think sometimes fairy tale land people speak in exaggerated terms? Everything is always the most something in all the realms. Well, in this case, I don't know, because it (laughs) did deflect Korra's magic. And in present-day fairy tale land, Korra is the most powerful person. She hit Korra's magic like a baseball. Did yeah, you see it? Just deflected it. Oh, I wasn't asking. I was just saying it did. But yeah. Yeah. They said that about Rumpel. Not that he was a sword, but that he was the most powerful. Yeah. That, and I think that was true too. That he was the most powerful man in all the realms. Apparently, it's debatable, at least within Korra's lineage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're going to have a definite power struggle. As they get to meet together. But Hook does that surprising gentlemanly thing that he catches Aurora's heart. And what he actually said, I had to look at the uh, captions in order to completely understand what he said. Don't use the same gentleman, the word gentleman in the same sentence as Hook. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, he's just witty. He said... And he's a pirate. Yeah, he said, I may be a pirate, but I bristle at the thought of a woman losing her heart Unless it's over me. Now a bunch of ladies over there are going, (sighs) Well, those same ladies need to listen to what he said that I will not repeat when he was fighting with Emma. And then they can just throw up a little in their mouths and move on to somebody else. Yeah. So he, he saves Aurora's heart. And there have been some other things here and there that I'd say Hook is still questionable his his true allegiance or is he kind of like rumpelstiltskin motivated by one thing and whoever can help him get to that one thing is his ally at least temporarily and hook's one thing is revengeance on rumpelstiltskin rumpelstiltskin's one thing is getting back to balefire when then the the beautiful scene of cora trying to take snow's heart I'll give my daughter the one thing she couldn't take. But instead, Emma jumps up and steps in the way. Incredible scene that I think, again, was one of those sports fans kind of moments when we're all like, yeah, yeah. But we've heard throughout Once Upon a Time, it was spoken by Rumpelstiltskin, who maybe was the one who inspired Cora to say it. But we've heard several times that love is weakness. And love is toxic and all of this stuff from several different characters. But then this happens. Don't you know? Love is weakness. Uh, 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 
feel that in the morning? <laughs> no. It's strength. Skadoosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then where did Cora go? I yeah. don't know. She, like, we're fine now. She might have realized that Emma presented a serious threat and just gone poof away. <laughs> I don't know what Snow says. Or- Did you get that clip too? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great subject for discussion. <laughs> when we get home <laughs> and then they bunny hop into the portal <laughs> when we get home and after i have changed my clothes and gotten rid of this pink sweater <laughs> that i've been wearing for two and a half months yeah. they look great by the way <laughs> how how long have they been there I, I can't remember whether it was i think it was jenny goodwin who plays snow white had said <laughs> that she was getting sick of wearing the same outfit for every episode <laughs> and they did that to her last year during the whole prison thing uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah her whole fluffy collared <laughs> suit so what kind of magic Hunter's does emma suit. really have we don't know yet it's yeah. it's cool though her she's heart magic her heart cannot be taken she's the product of true love she has true lovish magic and well and true love is the most powerful magic of all if you can bottle it you can do anything Emma's just gonna Care Bear stare all the bad guys (laughs) and everything's gonna be great we missed something important though in playing those clips what's that? Snow called Storybrook home yeah well home home. is where your family is (laughs) it's true don't you know it's true and remember the pilot episode she said to her class her students she said you're building a home not a cage Mm-hmm. The fir- one of the first things we heard her say yeah storybook is her home now and yeah home is where the heart is <laughs> well Jeez. the enchanted forest is kind of messed up yeah. now take a lot of work to restore it. and she kind of said goodbye to the enchanted forest in uh i can't remember the i think it might have been we were both no it wasn't we were both it are. Was, or we are both um it was one of those episodes uh, around then. But when we saw Lancelot and disguised as Cora and that whole thing that they go to the castle and Snow White kind of seemed to say goodbye to the castle and goodbye to that life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she, she just wants to get home back to Charming. I love that uh, one of our listeners, Aaron, uh, referring to that scene of Cora trying to take Emma's heart and it not working, Aaron referred to it as the oh crap moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I think looking at Emma's genealogy and her her history even before she was born, a lot of interesting things happen and a lot of things sparked by true love. Like David became the fake son of King George because of true love for his mother, wanting to protect his mother. His mother gave her life in order for Snow to conceive, to be able to conceive a child again, who ended up being Emma. That's true love. And the whole drinking the water from the lake, uh, like Nostos, that's some kind of magical thing that might have enabled uh, extra magic in Emma. And the whole fact of Emma, or Mary... Let me get the name right. Snow White and Prince Charming 
marrying and have Emma. So Emma is the product of true love on multiple levels, not just from Snow and Charming. So her magic is true love, but what can she do with it besides keep her heart from being taken? Probably lots of stuff. In Storybrooke, Gold referred to, he said, again, you're the project, the product of true love and referred to her magic. But also back in season one, before the curse was broken, Gold had made reference to Emma having magic. He said uh, that he thinks that Emma is more powerful than she realizes. And Jefferson said that Emma has magic. Which, side note, in the official Once Upon a Time podcast with Kitsis and Horowitz, they said that the hat Emma created did not work. Well, that's stupid. And they need to talk to their sound engineers because there was definitely a <laughs> when he fell out the window and disappeared. Oh, my goodness. Where could he have gone? There's a hat on the ground. Hello. <laughs> they totally made us think that. So don't tell us that it didn't because it did. It wasn't like a thump. It was more like a whoosh. Yeah, well, either way. Yeah. But maybe it didn't work back then because there wasn't magic. But because Emma created it, that could still mean that now that there's magic in Storybook again, maybe the hat can still work. So I'm I'm not letting go of that theory yet that the well, hat is still special. I'm a little mad at the whole hat thing anyway because now we've got Regina just using the hat. Why did she ever need Jefferson in the first place then? Did she just take the hat from him? Um. Well, he did kind of teach her. You're talking about I an Enchanted Forest? Yeah. Yeah. When she sent whoever Hook to Wonderland, she just spun the hat. There was no Jefferson needed. That makes Jefferson sort of irrelevant. Well, she saw how he did it. I guess. I could spin a hat. Yeah. Well, she did In fact, I'm going to try it. She didn't know the rules of the hat until Jefferson explained to go in, to come out. It's the hat's rule. And then she explained that to Hook. That's why Claude made his big grand appearance maybe, there. Maybe. Dead weight. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, anything else left to say about present day fairy tale land before we move on? Real quick, quickly, I want to also thank uh, one other person um, before we move on. Andrew8201 left a review for us in iTunes, and we really appreciate that. And uh, if you would like to write a review for us, it helps encourage us as we podcast and it helps other people find the podcast too and know what you think about the podcast. So if you could, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and write a review for us over there. And if you're not subscribed, that's a great way to subscribe to the show too. But we're also in a bunch of other podcast programs. So on mobile devices, even on BlackBerry and Windows Phone and all of that, you can subscribe to our podcast in a number of ways. And of course, you can always go to oncepodcast.com and subscribe directly there to both the blog and the podcast and join our forums and all of that stuff. So let's move on to this final section of our conversation talking about Storybrooke. So backing up a little bit, because the Storybrooke events overlap a little bit with present-day fairy tale land, so we're going to back up timeline-wise just a tiny bit, and we pick up with uh, David is still asleep, and Regina seemed genuinely concerned about David back Mm. in the beginning of this episode, and she acknowledged that David needed true love's kiss, 
from only Mary Margaret, and again, using Storybrook names instead of uh, fairy tale land names. She probably tried to wake him up a couple times. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the whole trying to seduce David thing is long past. Henry, go get yourself a soda. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but gold then basically bets against Emma and he says this again later that he he'll never bet against her again but gold offers an interesting solution to Regina well, what if we're wrong what if that portal opens up and it's not my mother what if Mary Margaret and Emma do defeat Cora and go through it well I believe in this world they call that a win-win how exactly is that if we stop Cora you are protected from your mother's wrath if, on the other hand, we stop Snow and Emma, well, you become the only mother in your son's life now, don't you? Look, magic is unpredictable in this world. If something unfortunate were to happen while you were attempting to help, Henry could hardly blame you for that, could he? I noticed Gold is more like Rumpelstiltskin in this episode, mm-hmm. at least the beginning. Mm-hmm. At, by the end of it, he was he was back to being charming gold self. Yeah. But in the beginning, he he just seems like he's trying so hard to bring out the worst in Regina. And I think it's because he really doesn't want to see Cora again. Do, do you think he has an ulterior motive? I don't know. I also wonder, why doesn't he care about Emma and Snow? See, he's he hasn't changed as much as we would hope, is what I got from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's Belle when you need her? <laughs> My bigger question after this episode was, why in the heck did he have to involve Regina at all? He said some little quip about, between the two of us, we can get enough magic. He's the one who knew where the diamonds were. He's the one who used the wand to take the magic. He's the one who started the barrier. He needed a scapegoat. I guess. But- if things went wrong, he needed a scapegoat. And it could also be that just being together like that allows him to kind of wield her magic mm, there together. There's no indication of that. It's no. like Wonder Twins <laughs> together. Oh gosh, I hope not. Uh, it, it just, that was a little odd to me because here he's trying so hard to convince her and she's wavering and the whole time it's, where are we going? What are we doing? And she doesn't do anything. She just mm. happens to save the day, but she didn't really have to be involved. Right. Really, for all her involvement, he could have just done everything himself and Snow and Emma would be dead now. Maybe he just needed a sidekick. Maybe. Maybe he was lonely <laughs> and he knew Belle wouldn't help him with this. <laughs> She'd just have all kinds of morals and standards and objections. So he just left her eating burgers at Granny's and took yeah. Regina. But he had to, you know, kind of appeal to her dark side to get that pal for the day i am so curious to know what what gold had against cinderella's fairy godmother to go so far as to say that she wasn't mourned well gold hates all fairies because he blames the fairies for losing bay in the first place remember back in the episode dreamy he said he hates nuns and he because yeah but nuns are fairies he, he he had to have had a history with this one. He was looking for her for a long time, right? Yes, but I'm guessing because he wanted her wand. Because he killed her well, and course. got her wand. No, I'm he... just wondering, like, how long has he been searching for her? That mm. episode, the one about Cinderella. Yeah, because he mentioned it in the episode The Shepherd. When he talked to King George, he said, I'll bring 
David or James or whoever, the shepherd guy. He'll, he'll bring him to King George to be King George's new fake son in exchange for knowing the whereabouts of a particular fairy. Yeah. Cinderella's fairy. Uh, so, and by the way, the wand that Mr. Gold uses is Cinderella's fairy's wand. It's the oh. exact same one. Oh, and I have some screenshots would. in the show notes <laughs> over at oncepodcast.com slash so uh, 68. But yeah, it is the exact same wand, which is also interesting because later when Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold puts the wand back in his shop, there's another wand there. So what fairy did he kill for that one? Or where did he get it? Or whose wand was it? Was it even a fairy's wand? Was it maybe something else? Or uh, is it just a, you know, one of them was mine. I've been looking for it for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So they've, they've taken all of the diamonds, the visible diamonds so far. Maybe there are more diamonds in Storybrooke. Maybe not. Who knew you could suck diamonds up with a wand? I mean, that (laughs) would have been a whole lot more efficient than harvesting. And by the way, dwarves, what have you been doing? You fell into that cavern and everything looks exactly the same. Have you just been, you know, putting on the shades and laying in there and looking at them? What's going on? Why did you not have any of them harvested that we could see? Yeah. They probably didn't know how to harvest them. Maybe, Maybe. Maybe they did get some. But obviously the fairies couldn't really help harvest them because they didn't have their wands. He said they're all gone. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. So, but I guess they don't really need them anymore because that whole thing was about trying to get to fairy tale end. This might be just the day after they discovered them. I'm trying to think back to that timeline. So if this is the day after or maybe two days after they discovered the diamonds then they might still be getting trying to get the whole system set it's up. It's so wild because the whole last episode revolved around, well, I guess they weren't just sleeping at night. Okay. Child, Okay, so Child of the Moon happened all in one day, or kind of across a day and a half. Um, and that's when they discovered the diamonds in uh, Child of the Moon in the beginning. So that's evening one. Evening two was when um, the district attorney burned the hat. And also when... David helped Red turn back into herself and become human again. Day three or four might be, or day three probably was into the deep, the whole sleeping incident and such. So we're, yeah, we're at day two, one or two days after they discovered all of the diamonds. So it's very understandable that that's why they haven't harvested any yet, because they're still trying to set up a system to harvest the diamonds they know how to do it they know they're dwarves yeah they have pickaxes but nobody steals from a dwarf except the queen and rumpelstiltskin (laughs) (laughs) it's true so um gold uses that wand and Mm -hmm. they they make this barrier and gold said no one can survive it so when Regina goes up, when Henry comes up and convinces Regina why she needs to still uh, allow this, allow uh, remove the barrier, then Regina goes up and she's had the understanding from Gold that no one can survive this. Well, she didn't jump into it. No, but she did. She was touching it. She absorbed it. So 
I really think she stepped up to this thinking she might die. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And I also think gold probably feeds her a lot of lies. Yeah. Cause he keeps saying magic is unpredictable, which is it really? Cause he, he's not treating it like it's unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he also said kind of like, Oh, oh, he said, um, don't kill Emma because if you kill Emma, the curse will break or I don't, I don't remember what he said about it, but he's fed yeah. her so many small lies. I'm, I'm just wondering. That might've been true though. When, yeah. like when she's going to figure that out or if she's going to figure that out, that he's been lying to her all this time. It, just little, it might be lies. with Cora's help. Maybe that's part of how Cora will come and she'll be like, oh dearie. I, <laughs> she probably <laughs> won't say dearie, but Cora might st- might reveal that she was involved with the curse and she might say oh no there's this loophole or he didn't really tell you all the truth about the curse maybe cora knows more and so that will help form a bond between cora and regina maybe it'll be cora and regina against rumble sutskin yeah i really don't want to see that because i think this was awesome that regina basically sacrificed her life is that the final battle do you think that that rumble sutskin was referring to it could be. Because he said, the curse will be broken and the final battle will begin. Regina like versus uh, versus Rumpelstiltskin? Could be. Regina and Cora. Yeah, but at that time, he had no reason to suspect that Cora would ever make it through or ever be there. And because the whole or thing... did of, he? Yeah. The whole <laughs> thing last episode into the deep of his being worried about Cora showing up was because he didn't anticipate it. He had no reason to think she might come. And so it was a surprise to him that... She was probably going to come. I thought it was funny that when Rumpelstiltskin or Gold realized that Emma and Mary Margaret came through and that like he set up this whole circumstance for um, everything and it kind of reflected badly on him, he just walks away, which he's done several times before when incidents go badly and not the way that he tried to manipulate them into. He just turns around and walks away and not really ashamed, just kind of, well, that didn't work out like I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's almost his, oh crap moment. But he did apologize. Mm-hmm. It's like to Emma, your happy endings buy you a lot, but not my time. <laughs> 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 so, um, Oh, one other thing I wanted to say about Regina's thing here is I think Regina did you know, sacrifice herself. And in a sense, redeemed herself by the fact that she was suddenly willing to give up her life so that Emma and Mary Margaret could come through the portal. But it seems like people are tossing that aside and kind of ignoring her because you can really sense the hurt in Regina that everyone's so excited and she's being left out. And then Gold just rubs her face in it saying, well, maybe they'll invite you to dinner some night. It's like, oh, twist the dagger in her heart. <laughs> yeah, she's really going to need her mom. <laughs> yeah. So there, I think this is all setting her up to run to her mother, not because she wants to be evil, but because she, she loves her mom. Yeah. And she needs the help. She needs help putting the pieces back together. Yeah. She's lost everything. So it's, uh, I know a lot of people out there are really hoping for Regina's redemption, but the direction this is heading, I think that this was her redeeming moment. 
but because it wasn't taken as such, she may start heading in a different direction and not be redeemed after all Hmm. as a character. I want to rewind a little bit and go back to the moment when David woke up. Mm -hmm. I saw the thing around his neck and it did not look broken. It was. It was? Yeah. You got that screenshot? (laughs) Yeah, I could see that it definitely was broken. And he may, when you're looking at it, it may have been the other side of it, which was, um, I think both sides were glass or maybe one side was metal, but yeah, it was definitely broken. Okay. I was, wasn't sure. Yeah. So Gold said that in his jail cell was exactly where he wanted to be all Mm -hmm. that time. And for, I think, understandable reasons, because that's how Snow and Emma went to him, or Snow and Charming went to him to learn about how Emma would be the savior. That's how Regina came to him. And that's how all of this was shown as Regina's curse and not his curse. So he was where he wanted to be for multiple reasons, as well as maybe something about his being there enabled him to activate that magic that would wake him up when he hears Emma's name. When everyone is having the happy reunion and walking down the street, the clock is at 510. I don't think there's really much significance to that number, but uh, maybe other than just to communicate that, that life moves on and that they're finally back together again. But now and then with... it's dinner time and Regina's <laughs> not invited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now with Cora and Hook back in story or in Storybrooke, the major cliffhanger. What's going to happen from this? We got a couple emails of some ideas of how Cora and Regina might be working together and what might happen there. Uh, this email came in from Honesty of the Heart said One of the things I found really interesting during the episode was Cora and her motivations for going back to Storybrooke. I I have always assumed that she wanted to take Regina on and defeat her, but she says that she wants to help Regina. So here are my predictions for what will be happening with that relationship. I think that Cora really wants to be reunited with Regina. I expect that when she enters Storybrooke and sees Regina at a low point, which Regina is at that low point, by the way, She will take advantage of Regina's pain to get reconnected with her. I also expect that Cora will convince Regina to take back the town. I can see Regina feeling she has lost Henry after this episode and returning to her evil motivations to deal with her pain. Anyway, that's just my initial thought at the end of this episode. Would be interested to hear what everybody thinks. From Honesty of the Heart. Like, we pretty much already said this. This is, I'm thinking this is what's going to happen. That kind of motherly comfort comes in mm-hmm. and, oh, by the way, let's be evil again together. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think's going to happen. We also got an email in from Aaron saying, hey, guys, really enjoyed the podcast chat room tonight. I really look forward to this after the episodes because no one else in my house watches the show. So it's nice to chat with others and theorize with them. I randomly just started thinking again about the interaction between Snow and Cora right before Emma stepped in and learned about her magic. Cora said she was going to give Regina what she always wanted, that being Snow's heart. Just that comment really made me think, now that I've processed it, that perhaps Cora isn't going back to Storybrooke to ruin Regina's life, but is in fact going back to try to redeem herself to Regina. 
much like Regina is trying to redeem herself to Henry. After Cora heard Regina's confession when she thought her mother was dead, this could point to Cora understanding why Regina wanted her dead. Perhaps that changed her a bit, and what would be the best way to get back to your evil daughter's good side but to bring your daughter the heart of the girl she hates most in the world? I get that taking people's hearts is Cora's forte. It's just her choice of words that has me wondering what her motives are exactly. From Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, for sending that message. I really think we're going to see Regina turn back around. Because remember, that spell book is still in her house. And she still, she kept it, probably thinking, for a rainy day. (laughs) (laughs) But then when Cork, oh no, Cora with the spell book. <laughs> I think about that. That's a scary thought. Do you know, thinking about Cora reuniting with Gina makes me think of, of Tangled, you know, <laughs> how <laughs> Rapunzel's, um, oh, what was her name? Uh, the witch? Yeah. I, I don't remember the name that of That woman. Witch. Makes me think of Cora. Hmm. Yeah. Like how she was so sweet and likable, but really, you know. Gothel. Evil. Gothel, yes. Yeah, Mother Gothel. Mother Thank Gothel. you, chat room, for letting us know. Yeah, that's that's who I think of. That's who I suddenly thought of when I thought of Cora getting back together with Regina. Because she'll probably be like all sweet and lovable, but she's just also really hateable, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's the new villain. Uh, we might see uh, the district attorney. Um, can't remember his name, but King George from Enchanted Forest. We might see him maybe come into play with this. There could be a lot of things. Now, Once Upon a Time returns on January 6th with its next episode. And we'll have just a couple spoilers after our music break for this podcast. Albert Spencer. Thank you, chat room. And by the way, we do host this podcast live. Now that we're on the winter hiatus, we're going to have maybe one or two more episodes before the Christmas break because there's some other great feedback looking back at some things I'd like to cover. So uh, probably at least one more episode before Christmas break, and then we'll be back in January. So we normally record our full discussions on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, in Eastern Standard Time, that's GMT minus Five over at oncepodcast.com slash live and also Sunday nights when there's an episode on TV we have a live chat room during the eastern and central time of the show and then stick around 15 minutes after so 9 15 p.m eastern standard time gmt minus five we have our live initial reactions podcast and chat room there so it's a lot of fun now when the season comes back in january that schedule is going to be a little bit odd because jenny and i will be down in las vegas at the new media expo and that's where the podcast awards will be and i'll be doing some coverage of the consumer electronics show down there so our schedule is going to be a little bit odd then that first couple episodes but then after that after uh, i guess that would be january 15th or 16th We'll be back on our normal schedule then. So you can get all of this and see our schedule over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Just scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see our Google calendar that lists our live show schedule and also watch our tweets and everything like that. Now, show notes for this 
episode will be at oncepodcast.com slash 68. So you can see some of these screenshots that we mentioned, get the links that we mentioned, and also review what we talked about in this episode. And if you'd like to comment on this episode, then please go there to oncepodcast.com slash 68. Scroll down to the bottom and leave a comment in the show notes, or you can go to our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. You can email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab on the right side to record a message right from your computer. Please remember to vote in the costume contest at oncepodcast.com slash contest and follow us on Twitter. The show is on Twitter at oncepodcast and I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter as Phlegon. It's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. So check out everything over at the website, oncepodcast.com. And remember, you can't be trusted as long as Cora has your heart. So good luck, and thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor or check out our affiliate links over at oncepodcast.com. And now for the special spoilers segment from Hunter. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here for the Once Podcast. I came across a few spoilers that I just had to share. Season 2, Episode 10, The Cricket Game will air on January 6th. Drama is coming to Storybrooke in the new year. Looks like promises will be broken, confrontations are going to be had, and people can't or won't change. Hook finally gets to have revenge on Mr. Gold, but it does not look like it's going the way he thought it would. Gold reveals to Emma his desire to find his son, and Regina does not want to give up Henry to the Charming family, but will her actions involving magic lead Henry to make the decision himself? Remember, Regina said she wasn't going to use magic. I believe this episode will be focused on Archie. In an interview with Raphael Sabraj, he mentioned that we would see Archie interact more with Henry. I'm guessing that Henry will need to seek out some help since his mom did try to eliminate his birth mom and grandmother. Once I find out more on this episode, I'll be sure to let you know. I did find one casting call for the show. They're currently looking for someone to play Tamara, a beautiful African-American woman in her late 20s to mid-30s. She is artistic, relaxed, friendly, charming, ambitious, fearless, and a born leader who is smart and won't stop until she gets what she wants. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash bit of pixie dust. Have a great day.